coming up. This is definitely um, something written out of a, a movie script. This is probably one of the, the bizarre cases that I've ever seen. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. On November 5th, 22-year-old Alicia Pointer was reported missing. She'd last been seen the day before. East Cleveland Police, the FBI, and the Secret Service putting in 18-hour days in an effort to find Alicia. Detectives since, since Sunday have basically been working day and night. Within a week, Pointer's body would be discovered in a burned-out home in East Cleveland, Ohio. Pointer's body was found in this home on Savannah Avenue in East Cleveland last Tuesday. Investigators believe she was murdered for information about a crime in Cleveland. Joining us is Marissa Sines from WKYC in Cleveland. Marissa, this is a tragic case that's been developing over the last couple months. Tell us a little bit about Alicia Pointer. What have you learned about her through your coverage of this story? Sure. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a very, quote, bizarre case. And I use that word because the uh, the police chief in East Cleveland, where all of this unfolded or ultimately came to an end, used that word himself. He said he called it something straight out of a movie. So just for some background, what we know, according to police, East Cleveland police, is that Alicia Pointer was last seen by her family Thursday, November 4th. Um, and her family filed a missing persons report on November 5th, which was actually her birthday. She was, had just turned 22 years old and she was actually a twin sister. Um, her twin sister was eight months pregnant at the time. And according to the family, they were very close, you know, in talking with her family on the evening that her body was found, they all described her as the sister that was very lively, who was very caring, uh, always looked over her shoulder for everybody else and really made sure that her family had what she needed. They said that she was the vibrant one in the family. When she walked into the room, you knew Alicia was there and that her and her, her sister were very, very close and that she was so excited to become an aunt. So when all of this you know, really unfolded and then ended the way it did, it was shocking, especially because there at the scene, there were a lot of people um, standing beside us um, waiting for answers as everything was unfolding and developing. Let's back up a little bit and go through this timeline in some detail. You mentioned that Alicia was last seen on November 4th. What were the circumstances surrounding that? Where exactly was she last seen? That's very interesting because she... This involves three different cities, according to East Cleveland Police. They believe it began in North Royalton, um, which is a, a city, a jurisdiction that is near East Cleveland, but not exactly, I mean, it's clearly not in the same neighborhood. So they believe that she was picked up from a different city by these perpetrators, by what we now know is multiple people involved in something uh, that seems to have been a scheme. The East Cleveland police chief did confirm that this could have possibly been related to another crime um, that happened in another neck of the woods, but they believe that they picked her up. I believe it's North Royalton took her somewhere in Cleveland and then where she ultimately was found in East Cleveland. Now those specific details, they couldn't exactly divulge specifically because North Royalton was still doing an investigation and the investigation was still open in East Cleveland, but the East Cleveland police and Cleveland police did confirm that a shooting happened in the city of Cleveland's jurisdiction that involved one of the suspects. Again, Alicia 
was last seen November 4th. Her family reports were missing November 5th. What do the next few days look like as her family and as police are trying to figure out where she is or, or what happened to her? So out on the scene when we're talking to the East Cleveland police chief, he says they have been working tirelessly. And it's interesting because anybody who's not familiar with East Cleveland, it's a small city. It's not a village. It's a city. But, you know, their police headquarters and their city hall is tiny. So they they, they often say that they call in the FBI um, to help with some of the resources. So you've got East Cleveland police, the FBI, even the Secret Service working round the clock, they say, to try and find her, try and figure out what's happening. And new tonight, East Cleveland police and the FBI are asking for help finding a missing 22-year-old woman. Alicia Pointer was last seen on November 4th in Cleveland. Anyone with information should call law enforcement. Her family says they were just really in a state of shock, a state of, you know, being worried. And they were obviously hoping that she would come home alive and be able to see her, they would be able to see her once again. But we, we do, we now know that, that that is not how it ended. And I do want to ask about how that search unfortunately did end. But before we get to that, looking back through some of WKYC's coverage of the story, it looks like it was kind of a slow drip of information coming from police. But it still seems clear that they believed foul play was likely involved pretty much from the start. Is that a fair assessment? Correct. So, especially during those initial days and those first days, when they after they found her body, they weren't giving us a lot of information about exactly how, how she died. The police chief had said we're highly likely that this is Alicia Pointer's body. East Cleveland police said let's wait for confirmation from the medical examiner's office, but we are highly likely it is her family. I mean, her family was there, so there we all knew it, this was probably going to be Alicia Pointer's body, but. Not only were we waiting for confirmation from the medical examiner's office, we were waiting for information about how she died because East Cleveland police said that this was a, quote, tortured death. And we, I mean, we now know that it was murder. It was multiple gunshots um, that killed her. That's what the report says. That's, that's what the medical examiner's office uh, office says. But again, there was not a lot of information. We were, we were trying to get as much as we can, which is really squeezing whatever we could. Um, some of that was attributed to, be, uh, to the suspect list growing um, because it was growing by the day. And they said there was some information that they, they didn't want to tip off. They also attributed that to um, it just being an open investigation. But still, it was very bizarre because there was a lot of moving pieces and it really felt like we weren't getting a lot of information, which sometimes we typically hear more details about how a lot of this unfolded. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the details surrounding the discovery of Alicia Pointer's body on November 9th, so five days after she was last seen. Where was the discovery made and how did investigators end up there? So a body was found in what they're calling a burned out home. You know, when we went out to the scene, there was two homes that were had visible damage that you could tell was from a fire. Um, there was trash everywhere. It was dirty. It was a dark street in East Cleveland. Uh, they had gotten a call some sometime around three o'clock, actually that afternoon. The FBI, East Cleveland Police, the Secret Service, they all go out to the scene and they start investigating. Uh, as time goes on, they realize that this body is starting to match the description of Alicia Pointer, who, you know, 
we now know had been missing um, since, or was last seen November 4th, had been technically missing uh, since November 5th. Eventually we get the call. I, I, you know, I remember I was actually working on a different story, a different report at the time. And the photographer that I was paired with was sent out to the scene. And we were in our editorial meeting. We'd actually talked about what more can we do about this East Cleveland girl who is missing. You know, there seems like there's a lot of questions that need answering. You know, how can we bring light to what's happening? There had already been kind of um, a lot of interest in the case and what I would maybe call now a high profile case. I mean, especially now how we've seen it all unfold, it just became so expansive. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts again. So it's interesting how it happened because again, I was working on a different story. The call comes out and then we do an in fact, realize um, police are saying that it's highly likely that this is Alicia Pointer. We begin tonight with breaking news in East Cleveland, where a body found on Savannah Avenue is believed to be a missing 22-year-old woman. We're thinking they found her and she's there. And from that point, the question shifts to who could have possibly done this? Who would have wanted to kill this 22-year-old woman? That same day, police begin to share information about suspects. You mentioned earlier that there are now multiple suspects. Where do things go from there as far as the investigation is concerned? I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll reference again what the East Cleveland Police Chief said about the case, because it truly was and is the way he described it in terms of bizarre. He says it's one of the most bizarre cases he's ever seen. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, we do not see what they saw. And at the time it was all questions about, well, what happened to her? They're using this term tortured death. How bad really was it? That's one side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is how many people seem to have been involved in this. You know, they named at the time three suspects. Day by day, the suspect list was growing. And on the evening that they found Alicia Pointer's body in the burned out home, East Cleveland Police Chief Scott Gardner did say that there were three suspects, but that he anticipated the suspect list would grow. We, how big that would grow, we had no idea the scope of it. But day by day, I continued to follow that story for the rest of the week. So the suspect list eventually grows to seven people. Six of them are in custody. Police tell three news that India Paldo, Anthony Bryant, Brittany Smith, Destiny Henderson, Portria Williams and Nathaniel Polk Jr. have all been arrested and charged in the torture and death of the 22-year-old East Cleveland resident. However, one, Hakeem Ali Shomo, is still on the loose. The U.S. Marshal's office is also searching for Hakeem Ali Shomo and is offering a $5,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. Hakeem Ali Shomo, who police say may be the leader of the group, remains on the loose. East Cleveland police say soon there will be an intensive manhunt for the 18-year-old with the help of the FBI, U.S. Marshals, and Cleveland police. We are told there will be nowhere for him to hide. Have police said how they think these seven suspects might be connected to Alicia Pointer? Or, or why they think these men and women would have kidnapped and killed her? You know, in my coverage of the case, when I was following this case for, you know, about a week, um, there were still a lot of questions surrounding exactly what was going on. But what we did kind of know is that it was believed that Alicia was kidnapped, taken, tortured, killed, because she had some kind of information. The entire reasoning 
behind this is the parties, the abducting parties, felt that Ms. Pointer had information relative to a, uh, a crime that had committed in Cleveland, uh, and they thought that they would be able to uh, entice Ms. Pointer to uh, give them the information they, they wanted. What that information was, we have not found out. When we'll know, who knows? It might, it might have to go to trial. You know, if, Depending on how these suspects plead, we may never know. You mentioned that four of the suspects, Anthony Bryant, Nathaniel Polk Jr., Brittany Smith, and Portia Williams, have been indicted on kidnapping and murder charges. What comes next, and where do things stand for the remaining suspects, with the exception, of course, of Hakeem Ali Shoma, who's still on the loose? What we know right now is that India Paldo, who's another one of the suspects, uh, is awaiting her hearing. And then Destiny Henderson, who's a minor. She's only 17 years old. So her case is in juvenile court. Um, but she's kind of in the same boat. But they are in police custody again. So uh, where I know a lot of people are anticipating how and when Hakeem Shoma will be found. Where is he right now? Is he dangerous? Um, you know, and we're, we're going on now nearly a month after all of this happened. So we'll, we'll see how this unfolds. We do know that, especially in light of the pandemic um, and uh, a drowning court docket, how this will unfold how, or how quickly this will unfold is, you know, to be determined. But I think we're really still all on edge about, you know, getting this call about when Hakeem Ali Shomo is eventually found. What have we heard from Alicia Pointer's family or friends in these last couple of weeks, either about the investigation or about how they're remembering Alicia? Yeah, this was, you know, difficult. There was one aunt who has been the spokesperson for the family. And she says she moved back to Cleveland. She was not living here in Cleveland, in the greater Cleveland area, the day before Alicia went missing. So she comes home and this, a lot of this is what's going on. And the day they found Alicia's body in East Cleveland. Uh, I was sent out to the scene, assessing the scene, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, we can see investigators digging through rubble, going in and out of the, the side of the home, inside of the home. We could see their flashlights, but behind us was a large crowd of people. There was, you know, I would say close to maybe 20, 25 people, if I had to guess a number, standing there waiting. And two of those people, one of them was her her sister, her twin sister, who was eight months pregnant at the time, and her mom. And when I was walking up to the scene, I happened to run into her cousin. And, you know, she asked me, she goes, are you with the news? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she was kind of giving me a rundown before I even walked closer to the crime scene where everybody was standing in the tape. And she was like, you know, her sister and her mom are not well. So she goes, there is somebody who's talking um, to the family. But I just, out of respect, please don't approach the mom or the sister. And, you know, rightfully so, I can only imagine the type of stress that they're under. And again, she's very, her sister is very pregnant and there's just, it, it's uh, stressful. So I was later able to talk to the aunt who was the spokesperson and the grandmother. And the grandma, grandmother is, you know, she was this fragile woman. She's tiny. And she, you could tell during her interview, she was doing everything she could not to cry. And just talking about words of what Alicia was like, um, the family has, a lot of the family has still asked for their privacy. They did hold a vigil um, there where her body was found on that street. But remembering how she was, you know, they said that she was a, 
lively person that she looked out for everybody, especially her twin sister. They were very close. You can see in some of their pictures uh, that they provided us, they were, you know, always out having fun together. And I think how quickly, quickly the family acted in terms of, you know, we haven't seen her. Where is she? Um, Cause it seems like they were always together. I'll, I'll mention again, how high profile this case ended up being, you know, and posting on social media, the shares, the comments, everybody saying, I was really hoping they would find her. So it sounds like a lot of people knew what, what was going on around the community, um, especially as this continued to evolve and as big of a case that we now know it is. And to think she was just 22 years old, as we've talked about, it's just a heartbreaking outcome. Marissa Sines, reporter with WKYC in Cleveland, thought to keep us posted as the legal case moves forward. Thanks for sharing the story. Most definitely. Thanks for having me on. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to or following the show wherever you're listening right now. For more on this story, you can head over to WKYC.com. And for more podcasts from Vault Studios, you can visit vaultstudios.com. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.